Are you wondering how to launch your digital product when you have literally nobody on your email list or in your audience? I got a five-step strategy for your launch today. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Rebel Boss Ladies podcast, where we feature everyday rebel women just like you who are taking charge of their life and creating a path to financial freedom by building a business online. I'm your host, Eden Freed, and it's time to build your empire. Hey Rebels, welcome back. Today we are gonna talk about the five-step launch strategy to implement when you have no audience and no email list. I find that one of the biggest struggles new product sellers will experience is the fear that their audience is too small. If there's no audience, how are you supposed to make money, right? Fair, it's definitely a valid concern to have, but first things first, I want you to ask yourself this question. Is it true that you really have no audience or is it just that your audience is really small? Even if you have a few hundred subscribers, that's still something. That's not nothing. One of my students who has gone through the Rebel Boss University program, that's my program to create and launch a product in 90 days, she had less than 250 people in her audience at the time that she launched. And despite that, she was still able to make over $1,500 from launching a very inexpensive ebook that was priced under $40. Now, did she strike it rich from that first launch? No, but it was better than nothing, right? With less than 250 people, which is something that a lot of people would consider nothing in their audience, she was able to make over $1,500. So before we dive into learning about the best launch strategy to implement when you have no audience, I want you to be honest with yourself. Do you really have no audience? Or is it just that your audience is tiny? Because those are two very, very different things. There are people with big, gigantic audiences that have zero engagement because their audience is not qualified. It's not filled with the right customers. And then there are people, this could be you by the way, who have really small audiences, but they're niched audiences and qualified audience audiences. If that's the case for you, then you can still launch. And while you might not make a million bucks, you could still make something and that's a start. When my business was getting started, I made my first $500. That ter- turned into a thousand, that turned into 2000. And you build up from there. It's kind of like a snowball effect. So just because you have a small audience does not mean it's not powerful and it does not mean that you shouldn't launch. Now, for those of you who really don't have an audience yet, I'm gonna give you a five-step launch strategy that you can implement, okay? This is the best product launch strategy for when you have no one in your audience and no one on your email list, okay? Now, if you're in that position, don't freak out because we have all been there. It's important to remember everyone starts with zero. I'm saying this to make you feel better, because anytime you look at a big shot name who's got tens of thousands of subscribers, remember there was a time, maybe even a recent time, when they literally had not even one subscriber. And then they eventually graduated to having a few dozen subscribers, mostly family, let's be real, we've all been there too, or your audience list, your email list is filled with aunts and uncles and cousins and people just trying to support you and that's nice but they're probably not going to buy from you 
And then that turns into those big shots having subscribers who they didn't know, stranger subscribers. That's the best feeling ever when you have your first people who sign up to your list who are strangers. And then from there you continue to grow and grow and grow and eventually those people got to the point where they're at now. They are big shots, but they started with nothing. Always remember everyone starts with zero. People do not just wake up one day with thousands of subscribers. Everyone starts with nothing. We are all on equal playing fields at the beginning. But if that's you, again, don't freak out. Just follow this five-step launch strategy. Step one, find people in complementary niches. What does that mean? If you don't have an audience of your own, Try and find friends in complementary niches who are also serving your ideal customer. So first things first, you need to know who your ideal customer is. So I am assuming that you've already done that homework, that you've already identified your ideal target customer. You understand their psychographics, their demographics, their likes, their dislikes. You know all of that stuff about them, okay? Because if you don't know who your target customer is, then you are not ready for a launch strategy, okay? You're not even ready to think about products yet. But if you are ready, you know who your ideal customer is. So find people in complementary niches who are also serving those same people. If you don't have your own audience, try finding people who serve the same people that you want to serve with content that doesn't compete with your own, okay? Again, I'm going to emphasize that you're trying to find people in complementary niches, meaning their content does not compete with your own. Now, while you may not be afraid of competition, and I personally regularly champion the notion community over competition, other people may not sing the same tune as you. So try and strive to find those people who have different content than you do to avoid any potential friction or competition there. Here's an example for you guys. Let's say you have a product that teaches people all about car seat safety. Your ideal customer, basically they're gonna be people who have infants or toddlers, mostly parents with infants or toddlers. Those are people who use car seats. So those are people who need to know about car seat safety. Think about other people who have that same audience. Maybe people who blog about, I don't know, Montessori preschooling techniques. If they blog about Montessori preschooling techniques, who is their target customer? They are probably parents who have infants or toddlers, okay? Same target customer as you, but their content, Montessori preschooling techniques, does not compete with your content on car seat safety. Another example, you could find people who teach about managing work-life balance as a new mom. If they're a new mom, chances are they have an infant or a toddler. Obviously, there are some people who are new parents because they, uh, they adopted older kids or through foster care or something like that. Um, the majority of the, of the situation, or the majority of people are gonna be people who have infants or toddlers. Again, same target customer as you, but the content is about managing work-life business, whereas your content is all about car seat safety, okay? So it's a complementary niche with the same target customer. I want you to try and think outside the box. Again, you're trying to find people who have the same audience with different types of content. So they're solving a different set of problems for your target customer than you are. 
I recommend making a list and keeping it in a central location and regularly adding to that list. So what I do is have a spreadsheet. I have my spreadsheet in my Google Drive and I regularly add new people to that spreadsheet as I find them. Sometimes I'm scrolling through Instagram and I randomly happen across the perfect person who has the same target customer but is in a completely different niche. So I screenshot that person's profile and then later on when I'm at my computer to work, I look through my phone, uh, my phone photos and I add them to my Google Drive. Okay, I do this for a lot of different things because I'm not always at work even though I'm scrolling through social media. So I'll just take a screenshot of that person's profile and then later on I'll make sure to add them to my Google Drive so that I have a comprehensive list of people that I could potentially work with down the line. So what next? Step two, those people are strangers. I want you to befriend those strangers. I want you to woo them. Step two is befriend those strangers and woo the crap out of them. So now that you've become, uh, begun compiling a list of people, it's time for you to make friends. If you're anything like me, making friends as an adult sounds like the worst thing in the world. It sounds about as enticing as stabbing yourself in the eye with a fork. I am a naturally introverted person and I know that many of you listening also are introverted people. So for me, meeting people in person intimidates the crap out of me. At first, the prospect of meeting people online seemed equally as daunting until I force myself to do it and get uncomfortable, you know, put yourself outside your comfort zone, all that kind of crap. I did that and it does work. <laughs> Trust me, it's not that bad, uh, even if it does feel really, really uncomfortable. I, like I said, I am an introverted person. When I was a kid, I used to write out my phone conversations. Like if I was going to order a pizza, I used to get a pen and paper and write out what I was gonna say verbatim to the pizza shop. <laughs> I was that introverted. I would get so nervous on the phone. I was a very shy kid as well, and I still am a shy adult, honestly. It sounds, I don't know, it sounds counterintuitive because I have a podcast and I'm always like doing Facebook Lives and putting myself out there, but it's all taught. I always say fake it till you become it. So even if you're super shy and meeting people online sounds like the worst thing in the world, fake it till you become it. Eventually you will become it. As with anything in life, practice makes perfect. So the more you force yourself to meet new people, the less difficult it will seem and less daunting it becomes. Um, your palms won't sweat as much the third, fourth, or fifth time you strike a conversation with someone new online. I promise. Okay, so the best thing that you can do, some strategies to actually start befriending these complete strangers, uh, start sending DMs on Instagram. Honestly, I think Instagram is actually better than email these days. It seems like a more direct line to that person, whereas email is kind of more formal and often gets ignored. So if someone doesn't recognize your email address or your name in their inbox, there's a chance they just junk you, you know, or there's a chance that someone else is managing their inbox and they don't let that e that email go through to that person. But Instagram is usually actually managed by that person themselves. And even if they do have somebody else managing their social media, usually they'll still have their Instagram on their phone and they'll still browse their DMs. So as of right now, I think Instagram is actually a more direct line to the person you're trying to reach. Um, as compared to email. 
DMs are also usually answered in a timely manner too. So simply start by replying to Instagram stories. If they are active on Instagram, the best thing you can do is just reply to something they posted on Instagram stories. You can also just send them a, a message and reply to one of their posts or start commenting on their posts so they can start to see your name and eventually the third, fourth, or fifth time they see your name, they're gonna recognize you as somebody who has engaged with their content in the past. Eventually, you will send them an email. Okay, but you kind of want the email to come after you've already engaged with them on social media. So the good news is that email addresses are really, really easy to find these days. It, that wasn't usually the case. Um, you had to go like search people's websites in the back end. And I don't know, it, it was a little bit more complicated before the Instagram um, business profiles became a thing. I was going to call it the Instagram. It's like my grandma calling it the Facebook. <laughs> Before Instagram business profiles came up, you guys know what I'm talking about. Anyway, so now Instagram profiles, business profiles usually have email addresses like right in their profile. You can just click email that person and it will open up email on your phone and you just copy that email and send them a message. Now you have their email address. Really, really easy, okay? Send them an email and be sure that you reference any communication with them that you've had up until that point. So maybe you did reply to one of their Instagram stories and you had a little bit of a back and forth. Reference that so that they remember that you're not some stranger that you've actually talked to them before. And then after that, invite them to continue the conversation. Invite them to chat. This is what we call a coffee chat. A coffee chat is basically a chat online it honestly usually happens over Skype or Zoom. Google Hangouts used to be a thing, but that is now a thing of the past. So Skype or Zoom it is. You just chat over a virtual cup of coffee or you can have an actual cup of coffee if you want. Um, and you just kind of get to know that person. Keep in mind that the point of these coffee chats is not to plan a collaboration. It's not to ask for anything in return. Really, it's just to get to know each other better and establish a connection with that person. Don't go into a coffee chat with any ulterior motives of how you're going to leverage this person to grow your business, okay? It's never going to work out for you that way. A coffee chat should just be for you to get to know that person's likes and dislikes and their strategies as a business owner and what upcoming projects they have and to share a little bit about you and just so that you know each other. And maybe the conversation goes a little bit off track and you share some stuff about your personal life. The point is you want to establish a connection with that person, okay? That's the beginning of your relationship with that person. Okay, step three is now that you have connected with that person and they know who you are and you've begun to really build what could be a beautiful relationship, offer those people value. Step three is offer those people value. Give, give, give before you ask for anything in return. Okay, it's time to continue to woo them and offer them with value because down the line you will ask for something in return and you want them to think of you as a person who has helped them out. So uh, they'll be more likely when you ask them for a favor to actually say yes to you. Are they hosting a webinar? Share it on social media. Are they asking for engagement on a, a social media post? Well, you know what to do, engage with their content. 
figure out ways, even if they're teeny tiny ways, that you can offer them some form of value. I promise you they will remember this and they will naturally want to return the favor to you when you do come around and ask for that favor yourself. So, so step three, so step three is offer value to those people. Step four, develop an affiliate program for your product. So this is where we get to the good stuff, you guys. Again, if you don't have an audience of your own, you're going to need to work with other people, which is why I recommended in steps one to three to start building relationships with people in complementary niches. And you're going to need to give them some sort of incentive to help promote your product. And that's where an affiliate program comes in, okay? So while you are building relationships with these people, you should also be working on developing your product and your affiliate program. I want to emphasize that technically you don't need, need, need to have your product officially launched yet. You can 100% if you want to pre-sell your product with an affiliate program, but it may be hard for you to do since a lot of people will not agree to partner with you unless you've validated your idea and proven that it works and is valuable for your target customers. So just keep that in mind. And remember, there are always exceptions to every rule, so you can definitely break this if you want to, but I just wanted to warn you that usually people will only promote you through your affiliate program if they know that your product works because they wanna make sure that anything they put in front of their audience is actually going to be beneficial for their customers. All right, so what is an affiliate program? That's an important topic to just get out of the way if you guys have never heard of this before. So essentially, an affiliate program is a means for you to reward people financially for any referrals that they make to your product. So let's say your new friend that you've built a relationship with, her name is Stacy. Let's say Stacy sends five people to your product and they purchase your product through her unique affiliate link that she had them click. Stacy would now earn a commission on those five referrals since they came from her affiliate link, okay? The affiliate link basically helps track where sales came from, okay? For the same product, you can have multiple different affiliates and you'll be able to see who came through which affiliate based on the link that they clicked. Let's talk commission. So commission structure for affiliate programs do vary widely and it's ultimately up to you. But my advice for you is this, if you want people to passionately participate in your affiliate program, you need to offer them an excuse me, you need to offer them an enticing incentive package. If you don't, what's their motivation to promote, right? If you're worried that you're giving away too much money, that's a very common feeling to have, but remember this, the customers that you get through your affiliate links would have never ever found you if it weren't for this friend of yours, okay? So these are people that I would, would have never purchased. It's money you would have never earned. So instead of thinking about how much you have to fork over an affiliate commission, think about how much you earn that you wouldn't have earned otherwise without your affiliate program. So depending on the price of your affiliate or of your product, I recommend a 40% to 50% commission. Typically, my commission packages have been around 40%, okay? Uh, if you have a lower priced product, let's say it's a membership, um, the membership could be like $19 a month or $29 a month, 
your affiliate commission package would probably be less. It would probably be around 30%. That's what I've typically seen as the case. Um, and usually it would be a recurring commission package. I'm saying usually because you're the CEO of your company, you get to make whatever rules you want to, uh, but you can definitely take advice and input and learn different things based on trends in the industry. All right, so some technology. You need technology in order to effectively execute an affiliate program. Lots and lots and lots of options out there. The purpose of today's episode is not to teach you about all the options out there. It's just to give you some options that you can explore that are good options to look into. So number one, you can use SendOwl. This is super basic and it's really, really inexpensive and it works decently well. I'm saying decently well because it's not the best thing in the world. I'm not going to lie to you, but it's budget friendly, which is a good thing and it works. Teachable, I really, really like Teachable. Um, it's another budget-friendly option. It's not as budget-friendly as, as SendOwl, but Teachable is great if you're gonna be selling an online course and an ebook, or you're just selling an online course, whereas SendOwl is not, it's usually just for ebooks or like one-off digital product purchases, like printables, things like that. Teachable is more versatile of a platform, and it's definitely more functional. Gumroad is another budget-friendly option. My personal favorite is Thrivecard. It's definitely the most versatile of them all. It's also the most expensive of them all. So the other one, SendOwl Teachable Gumroad, you're gonna be paying monthly fees for them for as long as you're using their services. Thrivecart is a one-time purchase. Uh, it, I, the, honestly, the price varies for Thrivecart. I think I use it, by the way. At the time that I purchased Thrivecart, I think it, I paid 500-ish dollars for it. Um, and you pay once and then you own it forever and that's an amazing feeling. I don't know about you guys, but I would much prefer to buy something one time than have to pay every single month. So I just paid one off with uh, Thrivecart that one time and now I own it forever and I have this amazing affiliate functionality. I have these beautiful shopping carts and checkout forms and it works for all of my products and on any website. It's just, honestly, you can get it to bend over backwards. I really, really love it. If you're interested in checking out Thrivecart, definitely let me know. Okay, so check out one of those options and see what works for you. Again, what works for me might not work for you. What works for your friend might not work for you either. So you kind of have to explore different options and see what's going to work. But whenever you are shopping for technology to sell your digital product, I want you to think about the question of, will I want to have an affiliate program? And if you don't have a big audience, you should probably plan to have an affiliate program because it's a great way to grow your audience by leveraging other people's audiences. And you won't be able to do that unless you have the technology to do so. So make sure when you're shopping for that digital product, selling technology, Thing that's going to collect the payments make sure it has affiliate functionality all right step five pitch the affiliate opportunities to your new friends so you have found your new friends you've started to woo them you've offered them value all the while you've been working on developing your product and the affiliate program for your product so it's time for you to share this opportunity with your new friends it's time for you to invite them to join your affiliate program and actively promote your product. 
Now it's really, really important that you don't just walk up to them and say something like, hey, here's the sign up to my affiliate program, have fun. <laughs> That's not gonna work that well. You need to enable your affiliates to be successful. It's entirely your responsibility. The ball is in your court, my friend. So here's what you should do. I recommend anytime you are launching a product that you have some kind of event, a free event, okay? Host a webinar or a five-day challenge to launch your product. Invite your friends to use their affiliate link to promote the free event, okay? So they share information about your free webinar or your free five-day challenge with their affiliate link, okay? They're not gonna earn a commission on the free event because it's free. But if somebody who goes to your webinar buys your product at the end of your webinar, uh, came through an affiliate link, that person will still earn commission. Or if somebody joined your five-day challenge through an affiliate link and then bought at the end of the five-day challenge, the affiliate will still earn a commission on that. And the cool thing is, your affiliates will actually be more likely to actively share something that's free to their audience, so your free webinar or your free five-day challenge, than they are to share your paid product. Because when they share a paid product, it's salesy, right? And they run the risk of losing their customers. Um, and you know that's a little bit more intimidating to them as opposed to them sharing a free event. And if people don't wanna go to the free event, they're not gonna think it's salesy. They're gonna think, well, that's nice that she is sharing that with us. That's a cool opportunity, even though I'm not interested. Another thing that you can do is offer to do a JV event. JV stands for joint venture, okay? So offer to do a joint venture event with them, like a webinar, for example. So I got my start with JV webinars. I would just join up with someone and, and I would host a webinar exclusively for their audience, okay? It's only for their people. It means nobody else is going to be on that webinar besides their audience. And because of that, it may have a higher conversion rate. Um, honestly, like I said, I got my start with JV webinars. I used to do them all the time and I still do them all the time. It's how I grew my business in the beginning. I did not have a big audience. I was actually just reading, I have a journal that I keep on my computer and honestly, I'm not very consistent with writing in it, but I have been lately. And in the past few years, once in a while, I'll have the urge to write and I'll just go write an entry in my journal. And I found one from, it was 2017 and I was basically writing an update on my business and I wrote that I had 250 people in my audience. And I just kind of like, I don't know, it just made my heart skip a beat a little bit because I realize now how I had nobody, like 250, like I told you earlier, is it's not nothing, right? It's something. But it's small, it's teeny tiny. I barely had anyone in my audience at the time and here I am now and it's like a completely different story and I was just like, I loved reading that because I, it reminded me number one, how far I came and number two, it reminded me that I was still able to do so much with that small audience. I'm kind of going down a non, like a non sequitur here but I just wanted to share that with you guys. Like I said, in the beginning, everybody starts with nothing um, and when I had that really tiny email list the only way that I grew it was by leveraging other people's audiences um, with JV webinars and 
the cool thing is that I would do those JV webinars and my affiliates would walk away earning several hundred dollars in commission and they didn't have to do any work. Like that you, you do everything when you have an affiliate program, you carry the brunt of the workload. Um, and that's the way that you enable your affiliates to be successful. Whatever event you decide to do and whatever way you decide to do it, you need to support your affiliates with all of the resources that they could possibly need. So you need to not only tell them how to sign up for their affiliate link and walk them through step-by-step step how to use it, but you need to give them swipe copy for every email. Your affiliates are busy. They're promoting their own stuff. So you need to write the emails and they can always customize them to fit their own style, but you need to do that, the bulk of that work. You need to give them pre-made social media images that they can share on their social media accounts. You need to give them a promo calendar so that they know what to do and when to do it, okay? Um, you need to send them regular emails and messages so that they know what's going on. You can even give them rewards and consider a leaderboard and make it fun for them, right? But ultimately, you just have to remember that you are doing most of the work. So at the end of this experience, the JV webinar, for example, your affiliates feel like, wow, I barely had to do any work and I made so much money from it. Like that's a cool feeling. And they're gonna remember that feeling the next time you wanna schedule a JV event, okay? All right, so let's recap. Five-step launch strategy to implement when you have no audience or email list. Step one, find people in a complementary niche. Befriend those people woo the crap out of them, offer value to those people is step three. Step four, develop an affiliate program for your product. And step five, pitch those affiliate opportunities to your new friends and enable them to be successful with your support. So now that you've done these five steps, you should be enjoying some nice growth in your business. Not only did you make new friends, which is a huge deal, but you also are growing your list and you're growing your list with qualified buyers, right? We don't care about numbers if they're just vanity numbers. I don't care if you have 10,000 people on your list if it's 10,000 people who are not qualified. You are growing your list with this strategy filled with qualified buyers. And again, these are people that would have never ever found you before if not for your affiliates. And whether or not these new audience members buy now is irrelevant. Sure, it's a great thing if they buy now, but if they don't, they're still on your list and you can always pitch them later. You're gonna be launching again down the line, so if they didn't buy the first time, they might buy the second. Remember that sometimes people need to hear about your product multiple times before they feel ready to commit, okay? Um, so keep that in mind. So much good stuff comes with having an affiliate program, so definitely, definitely consider it. It's an amazing strategy if you are somebody who, looking at your email account right now, has barely anyone on it. All right, Rebels, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I hope you loved it. I hope you learned something, and I will see you next time. Next time on Rebel Boss Ladies, we have Holly G from Holly G Studios joining us to share tips and tricks about the video that you're going to be recording and including inside of a paid course or workshop. We will be touching on things like tech recommendations, tools, resources, how to get over the fear of the camera, strategy for planning your course video, editing your video, and much, much more. So if you're afraid of video, or you need to tackle the video beast sooner rather than later, mark your calendar for next week 
it's going to be a good one. Thanks again for tuning in today, Rebels. If you loved this episode, please don't forget to leave us a review and share on social media. I'm your host, Eden Freed, and remember, keep kicking ass, keep putting in the work, and most importantly, keep showing up. Mm -hmm.